Pray with me, please. Come, Holy Spirit, come and save us. Lord, we want to be among the number that is saved. If it's impossible because we're wealthy, remove our wealth. If it's impossible because of our unbelief, then give us belief. But Lord, we want to be saved. Holy Spirit, come now and save us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to take another crack at my sermon on Sunday. Not the whole sermon, don't panic. I'm not going to go uh, real long here. This is just a reflection. But I wasn't pleased with the way it came out. It was too messy. And I got good feedback from my friend Ryan. who said, yeah, yeah, you got to the end and it kind of, you know, this was the 9 o'clock version. The 11 o'clock version with his recommendations, I trimmed and changed and did a few things. And it felt a little solider. But anyway, uh, the topic I was pleased about and I did enjoy talking about it. So I'm going to open with the quote that I opened with on Sunday because I want to make three quick points and probably would have done a better job if I had just tried to stay succinct on Sunday. But here's, here's what an author named Sam Harris wrote in a, in a book recently published called Lying. Lying, L-Y-I-N-G. We all do it. The rich young ruler, Jesus doesn't even penalize him for lying because he's got to be lying, right? The rich young ruler, there's no way he's kept all of those. I mean, he's, he's fudged a little bit, at least not physically, maybe just emotionally or mentally. So anyway, Jesus doesn't penalize him and go, no way. Jesus goes in a gentle way, you know what? There is this one thing that's keeping you from salvation. I think it's an exaggeration, but I'll ask Jesus when I see him. Anyway, to the book Lying, something we all participate in. This is what Harris says. Lying, by definition, is a refusal to cooperate with others. In other words, when we lie, when I tell you something untrue about myself, I'm creating a false persona, so I'm not cooperating with you in goodwill. So lying is, first of all, refusing to cooperate with others. It condenses, I like this, it condenses a lack of trust and trustworthiness into a single act. Think about when salesmen say, trust me, this is the best deal I can give. You know, it's condensing a, a, a truthful act into an untruthful act. And it is both a failure of understanding and a willingness to be understood. So I don't really want you to know who I really am. You're never going to be able to understand who Gary is if I keep lying to you. And it's going to be your not, it won't be your problem, but it'll be your misperception of who I am if I don't tell you the truth. The last line is the thing that gripped me. To lie is to recoil from relationships. I really want a good friend. You know, I want somebody who knows me. But if I lie, if I'm not really who I purport myself to be, if I don't share with good friends, not everybody, not people you meet on the bus or on airplanes, but to share everything with everybody. But, but with those people that matter the most, if I'm not honest, with them, they're never really going to know who we are. And we all want to be known because we were created for relationships. So here's my three quick points about lying. Notice that Jesus doesn't run after the man. I think that's paramount to our understanding of salvation. Because this word salvation gets used in here later in this uh, parable where Jesus says, or Peter asks, who can be saved? So there's an element of us wondering, you know, what, must, what must we do to inherit eternal life? Um, Jesus doesn't run after him. So it's not that Jesus doesn't care about his salvation. And we don't know if the man ever is actually saved. 
We're left to kind of decide that on our own. But I think the more tragic moment, because Jesus doesn't run after him, is his lies, the things that he's got between himself and God, wealth and morality, his lies are keeping him out of a real life here and now. There, there is a salvation that exists before the moment we draw our last breath, the Bible promises. There's a, a participation in our sanctification that we're all invited to now as we wait, Jesus is coming again. Once we have said, believed in our heart, confessed with our lips that Jesus is Lord, our salvation begins now. Our eternity begins now. I think that's the thing that bothered Jesus the most. This guy's going to go on living with two, well, two arms tied behind his back. Or blind, as he tells the Pharisees. He's not going to see life for what it really is. First of all, he's not going to see God for who he really is. Jesus standing right there in front of him. So lying, first and foremost, keeps us disconnected from God. It also allows us to participate in the schemes of the devil. That sounds a little harsh. But Satan, like I said on Sunday, uh, Jesus calls him the father of lies. God's trying to bring his kingdom here and now every day. If you're in the parish hall on Wednesdays, you can't miss it. Many of you were over there in the parish hall before you came here. There were two women upstairs planning the national grandparenting meeting coming up. There were five or six women in the back sewing. There were a dozen and a half women listening to a video real loud for a minute, and then it quieted down. There were uh, people in the administrative office giving waters to a Curcio weekend. There were people talking to young people in college. I mean, the, that building was alive. It is alive on Wednesdays. And everybody in there is participating in their sanctification, whether they know it or not, because they believe Jesus is who he says he is. When we lie, we interfere with our ability to participate in our sanctification. When we lie, we participate in the devil's plan for creation. And last, and again, um, probably most important for me after reading this over and over this week, to lie is to be out of sync with God's plan for creation. God's plan for creation is that the kingdom would come, is that relationships would be brought back together, not kept apart, that people would ask forgiveness, that forgiveness would be given, that, that those things that we long for in eternity would actually materialize here and now on a more regular basis. So I think that's where I want to just close and ask us today to think about the things that we are believing that are a lie. There was a beautiful old praise song, not old, came out probably 20 years ago. I have believed in a lie was one of the verses. And I would like us to leave today and think about those things in our life that are keeping us at arm's length from others in our life untruths that are keeping us out of relationship with others in our life. They're mad at me. They don't love me. They're still this or they're still that. And the lies that keep us separated from God. Um, whether it's lies about money, lies about power, lies about prestige, lies about our schedules. Got to get these things done before Friday or else. Anytime we put an or else after something in our life, that we should stop and think about that and ask the Lord, is this really an or else moment, Lord? But those are all lies. Those are all things that keep us at odds length. So my prayer for us today is that we would begin to consider those places in our life where we may not be telling the truth or listening to the truth. Um, and, we'd, and we'd lay them down in front of Jesus. We'd hand them to him, just like he asked the rich young ruler. 
There is one thing, he tells him, that you lack. Go and sell everything you have and then come follow me. Lord, help us today uh, in our lives uh, to go and sell everything that we have and come and follow you in honesty and in truth. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.